Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Hey, Peter, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Sandra. How are you? I'm great. Uh, where are you today? Are you at the home office or where are you? Home office, yep. Sitting here, looking out at my trees, my favourite tree. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. I've got the sun shining in my window at the home office too. And at the moment, it's quiet outside, which is amazing because there's a big construction happening two doors down. So oh. there may be some drilling ambient noise at different times but for now it's quiet which is awesome wonderful yes and I am genuinely so excited to be talking with you we uh have had a brief conversation recently but before that hadn't spoken for years uh since we met back in radio days but I'm loving the little bit that I know about your journey and where you are now And as part of this podcast series, I'm so excited about sharing your story with others who might be in a position where they're considering making some kind of transition or change in their professional life. And maybe they're looking for ideas and inspiration from other people that um, are further down the line than they are. So to give people some context, what is it that you used to do professionally? So my forte, I guess, has always been sales. I, I I grew up with parents who were both very, very good salespeople and were very passionate about the products that they were selling. Mm-hmm. So it's always been important to me to align myself with products that I believe in and that I'm passionate about, that I've always pretty much worked in advertising, um, the advertising and media arena, I guess. Yeah, yeah selling. How did you go, this is probably, and forgive me because there probably will be many random tangent questions, but how did you go as someone who has really wanted to have that uh, alignment, if you like, and a product that you believe in? A lot of people would look at the advertising and the media industry as potentially quite superficial or that you're just flogging stuff to get money. How did you reconcile that or what was your experience like? Look, that certainly is a question that I started truly thinking about once I had kids. Mm -hmm. I think children actually get you to rethink your your direction in life and they get you to realise what's important in life. And prior to that, I sort of, it never really dawned on me that it was kind of empty and meaningless. And I did feel, you know, there's a lot of people that that say that advertising and media is a root of all evil. I, I wouldn't go that far to say that because um, I think there's there's a far more positive things in the world, which is a good thing. But I think media is just a small slice of, of you know, it can, there's powerful things about media, but there's also unfortunately a lot of political and, you know, we're often there's a lot of psychology that goes into media where we're being pushed things that we don't actually really need. Yeah. Um, and and you you're being you know manipulated really. So um, I think that's a that's that's the sad part of of media. But um, yeah, so when I had kids, it, it got me rethinking my direction, and I I, I realised that I was finding my 
my career a little bit empty and meaningless. I didn't feel like I was bringing anything to this world. And, and, um, and in terms of le- leaving a legacy, there was nothing that I was leaving behind in terms of my career. Yeah. And it's so interesting. The more people I'd speak to that have been through these kinds of crossroads, uh, that, that question of, um, meaning in the work that they're doing often comes up where people want to feel like actually is what I'm doing contributing uh, in any kind of positive way and I know that for myself when I got to that point in my radio career in many people's um, estimate uh, what I was doing professionally was amazing and you know was the first female program director of a capital city radio station and was in, in my own like my hometown which never happens in radio earning great money, meeting lots yep. of celebs, all, all of that stuff. But for me, it was just kind of, I guess, as the word you used was empty. And I think there was a lot of that for me too, where it just felt like, ah, oh, is this it? I thought I'd feel differently. And that's yes. what kind of was part of what pushed me down that trajectory of going, well, if it's not this, which I thought it was, what is it? And then I guess the exploration from there. So back to you, um, the, so sales has always sounds like it's been in your blood and then you had kids and that sort of got you down this road of thinking about, okay, what is that legacy that I'm leaving? How can I feel like I'm getting something that made me is a little bit more meaningful? What were the early clues for you about what the next thing might be for you? Did you know really clearly straight away or was it something that unfolded over time? Uh, no, it's definitely something that unfolded over time. I'm, <clears throat> excuse me. The I think the 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 swag actually found me. Uh, yeah. You know, like the invention, and almost it haunted me. And I'll go into <laughs> that a little bit later. But yeah. Going back to what you said, I in my media role, I always felt like happiness was over there, yeah. and you then you'd get there, and then there'd be happiness now is over there, <laughs> and that's the trap with the modern day world. Yeah. And I kept finding, as you did, you know, that I'd get into this next level of earning capacity or, you know, whatever it was, there was my, and it just, I still wasn't really happy. Yeah. And so I think uh, that is where it all started and it started to really magnify as as my children came along, yeah. uh, that's when I realised, yeah, it's it's it, I need to make a change. So I had um, some other girlfriends that have made some pretty significant changes in their life and and have utilised different business and network marketing uh, businesses and have done incredibly well. So I I signed up to those and you know I had um, the swag sort of on the boil, but I I was just so desperate to get out of that life that I was in I was so desperately unhappy that I I I had all these things on the boil (laughs) (laughs) just to make sure that I got out and I really and I was just testing and you know and trying different things on and um, as I had the swag bumbling away, you know, just at night, I was working on it and, and slowly getting it off the, uh, off the ground. But it kept going on the back burner every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, and other things, priorities would take over in my life. And then, um, and then it just got to a point where, um, and it was at a very specific moment, actually, and I was 
pretty exhausted. I was on maternity leave with uh, my daughter, my second child, and um, sitting on the couch flicking through the History Channel and landed on a documentary that was um, about human trafficking. And I actually watched the first probably two minutes of this documentary and I was absolutely in tears. Mm -hmm. I was blubbering like a baby. I could not watch the rest of it. I actually um, turned off the TV and came into the home office and that's when I registered the business name, the trading name, started the patent processing, started, you know, got all the URLs and I and I didn't register just one name, I registered like 20 names. Yeah. <laughs> As we do when we're entrepreneurs, it's like, oh, I've got it, this is the best name ever. <laughs> so I had 20 names, 20 URLs, 20, <laughs> like I was trying to marry everything up so it was all, because it's really hard to get a trading name and a URL yes. to actually align. Yeah. Um, and so um, I just did so many. I spent so much money that <laughs> night. <laughs> and Your husband um, probably got up and said, what the hell happened last night? <laughs> <laughs> he was out of town. He was out of town two or three nights a week, so I was on my own. So yep. it was that's that was also a godsend because, you know, when you've got your partner there, you tend to want to spend time with them. But because I was on my own, the kids were snugly in bed, you know, that gave me time to actually work on the swag. And yep. um, and so it was that moment that got me off my bum and really took it from prototypes and an idea and, you know, and testing and refining to actually into a business. Wow. So it was quite a pivotal moment and powerful moment for me. And I actually I love the fact that, you know, what you said, it was a specific moment. It is like it has been like permanently etched into your mind and your memory as that was the moment when you really – committed you really stepped up to this not being this interesting little side project amongst other things but something that you wanted to direct you know focus time and energy and money into um yep so let's just rewind just a little bit what actually is the swag or or even i guess before that you mentioned earlier about that the swag found you and it haunted you i think is what you said and so yeah. what was it those early inklings what was it that was haunting you or bubbling around in your mind that became the swag yep so it started um when i was just sick of throwing out rotting fruit and veggies and I used to put them into the plastic bags that you get at the point of sale yeah and I'd have one in each plastic bag and I wasn't really environmentally minded but interestingly enough um you know if you if when talking to my parents about this um we grew up out at on acreage and we had lots of animals and we had a huge vegetable garden yeah we had no waste service so we were responsible for our own waste so we fed the dogs the meat and we get the chickens, got the bread and the grains and the veggies and then, you know, we use the manure to fertilise the, the vegetables, the vegetables we ate, we ate yeah. the eggs, we ate the chickens yeah. when they stopped laying eggs. <laughs> yeah. You know, we had a, a really quite an ideal, a di idyllic lifestyle and, um, and the way we got rid of our waste was through composting or your organic matter or your paper and cardboard and stuff like that. We could dig it into the, the, the compost. Yeah. Um, and then we also had an incinerator that we would burn and we would take our glass bottles and cans to the recycling yeah. depot. So that's how it all, all went. And when I, you know, think back, I think I've always been very conscious about waste mm -hmm. and 
not so conscious about plastic, I guess, interestingly enough, but that's obviously become something that I'm very passionate about um, since discovering just how easy it is to remove plastic, um, a lot of single-use plastic from your life. Mm. Um, so anyway, so then, you know, I had them all in the plastic bags and they would just, they would sweat and rot and I kept seeing the condensation building up on yeah. the inside of the bag and it dawned on me that if I was trapped because in a plastic bag there'd be condensation and then I'd die too. And so that got me. Oh, what an awful visual image, but, <laughs> but powerful though because I'm, I'm envisaging a zucchini but then it's like, well, it's, it's, it's similar to like a, a, a being. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but, they're, but they're actually living and breathing and that's what people don't realise. When you disconnect them from the plant, they're still living and they're breathing. And so it's kind of like... Um, you know, when you when you get your flowers home and you chop off the end of your flowers and you put them in water so they can hydrate, yep. you know, and stay alive longer, well, the, your flowers are still alive. They don't die straight away. As soon as you pick them, it's the same with your veggies. And if you give them an environment that they can thrive in, they'll actually stay alive and nutrient-rich a whole, whole lot longer than people even believe is possible. Yep. So... Um, so you're so, witnessing these sweaty vegetables and they're going in the bin and the, the um, you know, the uh, resistance to waste obviously is part of the, your upbringing. But then, then what? So then I was actually at my mum's house at, 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 a, um, at a dinner with my husband and um, at mum and dad's and um, in the fridge mum had a tea towel wet wrapped around some herbs. Yep. That's and what Mick, I, my husband, always tries to tell me to do because he's a chef by trade and uh, he, he always, you know, would tell me that's the best way to keep the herbs longer. <laughs> yep, exactly. So there you go. And some people use paper towel and some people use chucks, you know, the oh, chucks yeah. swipes mm-hmm. and they wet them and they put them around. Actually, the restaurant industry is largely using me. If I only found out this when I was um, going through the char- shark tank process. But um, so, so, yeah, a lot of people are doing something similar but, um, so my mum was using the tea towel and she was just folding it over and she was getting, you know, you know, three or four days where her, you know, herbs were looking great. So I thought, this is brilliant. So I actually went away and started wrapping everything. But <laughs> obviously everything was falling out in the fridge and then I realised everything was actually getting an extra day or two through using this process, which an extra day or two was absolutely brilliant, right? Yeah. So then um, then I just took it. I knew it had to be permeable. I knew it had to breathe. I knew it had to be damp. It all made sense to me. So then I started setting out on knowing that, you know, people don't have time to be taking the tea towel up, unwrapping everything, every mm. item in the fridge, re-dampening it because it dries out really quickly in the fridge, um, in the crisper, and so re-dampening it every time for everything. And so then I decided I'd create the little pocket and I actually, the prototype that I first started with was like a, it was like a, um, a big long um, piece of material that had all these different pockets and it was just for herbs and it would roll up. It had little buttons and ties, and it was super cute. <laughs> I've got a vision of like a um, an oversized makeup, right? makeup brush yes. kind of yeah. bag or kit. Yeah, 
That's exactly that. But imagine that in natural fabrics. Yep. And so then, and there was layers as well. And so then, you know, that all looked really good. But then went to, to wash it, obviously there was leaves that got caught inside. You needed to turn it fully inside out. You couldn't do that. Um, so you'd get build up and slime inside the bag. Hmm. And then also the the buttons and the ties. And it was like, really, do we need that? So that's when I created one pocket that folded over on itself. So you're sealing it sealing the environment but only with a big extra large flap that goes over the top so you're not having to fiddle with buttons and zippers and whatever else that you want to attach to it it's just really simple to use so you can actually actually go to the fridge and just open the flap and get things out with actually take not taking the whole swag out yeah or what I do I love getting all my swags out when I'm cooking opening them all up everything's there you just cut chop things up and then you don't wrap them in any plastic you just put them straight back in the swag and you don't get any slimy edges on your cucumber or your capsicum you can use you can use the ends off them in a salad like the in two night two nights later and it's totally fine you wouldn't even know that it it wasn't freshly cut so so the the whole thing about the swag is it's three layers and they're all unseeded, unbleached cotton layers, three different unique layers. The central layer is a really thick absorbent layer, which I actually had made to specification over in India, which has probably been the hardest part of mm. uh, getting the product to market is getting someone to actually make that perfectly for me. Um, and that central layer is the layer that does probably most of the work because it actually um, holds the moisture but it doesn't it's like kind of like a baby's nappy you don't want the moisture to be held up against the baby's bottom it'll 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 get a, ba- a nappy rash yep so it's the same with your veggies you don't want too much moisture up against them because they'll rot as well it will almost suffocate them like putting a um, wet you know tea towel over your face and trying to breathe through it you know yep. if it was super wet yeah but if it's just damp then you'll be able to breathe and you'd feel you know you could still breathe so um so the three layers allow all your produce to breathe and different things breathe at breathe at different paces would you believe it or not (laughs) see now i mean even the fact that you've gone talking about these permeable layers and and all this kind of thing this is not like your background you're not a scientist Uh, and so one of the things that's occurring to me is this process of discovery and then you've said you've had to go to India to find someone to manufacture this the the what were some of the biggest challenges that you have had to overcome to get where you are now um the probably the the biggest in Australia was finding the right materials mm-hmm. it's really um quite sad that there's a lot of eco fabrics on the market that are absolutely not eco fabrics that are quite toxic and one is bamboo so as a as a um as a wood it's fantastic but in order to turn a a wood into a fabric you've got to wood chip it and put it through an acid slime bath so it's actually highly toxic and carcinogenic no yes isn't that sad? And all the bamboo baby clothing and the bamboo this and the bamboo that, the bamboo underwear, I look at it and I think, oh, my God, I cannot believe, I cannot believe. Yeah, it's really sad, isn't it? It's, I guess this is the thing where as consumers, we ha- 
I think as unfortunate as it is, we have to take responsibility for getting a little bit more informed because there's assumptions that we make about how something is branded or um, the name of it, that just because it says eco in it or it says organic in it, that, well, it must be organic. But the reality is often when you dig just a little bit deeper, what you find out is, you know, not necessarily the opposite, but it's not as good um, for you or for the environment as you might like to think. So that sounds like that's something that you discovered through your um, your process. Yes, correct. And, you know, even the organic thing was really challenging for me because I couldn't get any real guarantees that it was actually organic mm-hmm. in a lot of – you just – there's so much corruption in China, India and a lot of countries when yeah. it comes to the organic stamp that they just share with the factory next door, the factory next door pays them or the mill pays them, you know, X amount of dollars for to use their stamp and it's not actually certified organic. And I just, so for me, um, yeah, it, I, I just didn't want to call it organic if I knew that it wasn't. So ours isn't organic, it's unbleached, unseeded, so it's mm-hmm. at its rawest state that you can possibly get it. But but um, yeah, I don't. I, would, I didn't want to put a certified organic unless I can guarantee it was yeah. certified. And to do that, it's really ch- tricky when you're dealing with overseas manufacturers. Yeah. So we are actually doing a um, Australian-made certified organic swag that Ooh. will be in that will be available for sale. It's going to be obviously a, at a totally different price point because. Yeah. But really, in the scheme of things, most. Most people just want natural yeah. and that's what our product is. It's natural and it's um, non-toxic and um, and it's a good, at a great price point where often the product, our starter pack actually pays for itself in the first month of use through you not throwing away fresh produce because mm. it's lasting for weeks. Um, so, so, um, yeah, so that's, so that's, that was a big challenge, I guess, the fabric side of things and eventually I spoke to quite a few big eco um eco fabric houses that when I spoke to the the owners and I said listen what would you put up against your food they all said unbleached unseeded cotton right so it was really a process of researching and then getting you know all of that data if you like together for you to make the decision that was um, most aligned to what you want the brand to stand for is that right yeah correct absolutely yeah Mm. And also to make it accessible to everyone because, you know, I don't, I don't, I didn't want to price it out of reach of, of anyone. I want to, be, you know, I want this product to be in every fridge in Australia and, and potentially around the world because of the waste issues, you know, um, the war on waste. Yeah. It's a massive movement that we really do need to take seriously. And then single use plastic bags. I mean, we're starting to eat around our own plastic now and it's linked to so many health um you know, um, problems for the human body such as, you know, um, thyroid issues and depression, anxiety and cancers and a whole range of things. So we really, if not for the environment, if to, just to do it for your own health, yeah, um, we really need to take um, single-use plastics seriously as yeah. well. And I think there has been, a, and even that you mentioned the war on waste, the, the um, documentary that came out last year, I think it was, um, the impact that that has had and the second series is is launching very soon, I think. And I feel like there 
and it may just be the circles that I move in, but I do feel like there has been a big shift in awareness around single-use plastic and also, I guess, the other um, waste products that uh, our modern lifestyle tends to create. So I feel like it's um, a very exciting time for you, for you and the business for, for where you're you're at now and the potential of where you can grow, through, grow to and the impact that it can have, which I yes. think is really exciting. But the, the specific moment that really lit a fire in you to get you from interesting side project to dedicating time and energy to the swag was watching that documentary on human trafficking. And so how has that, I guess, played a part in the process of you getting to where you are now and where you see the business going? Sure. Well, it, um, it's the feeling when I talk about it, I remember just the, the feeling that it created within me mm-hmm. in terms of just how um, important I just couldn't. I, for, for me, I wanted to create a revenue stream through the swag. And although we're growing and I am actually not paying myself a salary yet. Yeah. <laughs> We're still growing, but um, and we're and a lot of everything that we earn is going back into the business and and increasing and scaling our manufacturing, mm-hmm. um, and with that comes cost efficiencies and a whole range of things. But um, so you know we've just been growing quite rapidly, which means you know you just can't, I probably won't pay myself for for, for four years, um, so or more. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was really important to me to be authentic and the last piece of the puzzle for me was actually supporting um, a charity that worked in human trafficking and so we um, on the 1st of July aligned ourselves with Destiny Rescue which is a fabulous uh, Australian organisation that work globally and are also going to be working in Australia and they've got a four-pronged approach where they they do prevention, so they provide support to families um, that potentially might be at risk of, mm-hmm. you know, sending their, their young children away to be servants, but they're actually not going there. They're going to obviously with being sold as, as um, slaves in human trafficking and they never get to see their kids again. So there's that prevention so that we're supporting families so they don't need to send their children away to earn money to send back to them. Um, and then there's education and lobbying through government, governments and then there's um, obviously the rescue side, which is actually going in and getting these children out of um, these horrific circumstances where they have to, the, the team actually all earn their trust and then actually literally walk out with the children and using the, poli- the local police and get them rehomed. And they also rehabilitate and the rehabilitation process for these children is not a matter of months, it's a matter of years yeah. um, because they've been so deeply traumatised and it takes a lot to obviously build them back up. And also a lot of those children, once they're rehabilitated, are then working for Destiny Rescue to help other children that have been in similar situations and show them how they can turn their life around. And there's a very, you know, a lot of children go back to what they know because it's been, you yeah. know, beaten into them. So Destiny Rescue have a huge success rate of children that just simply don't go back to the life and, and change the direction of their life, which mm. is wonderful. It's so phenomenal to me that in this day and age human trafficking is still in existence yes and I think maybe is it because 
you know, we both live in Australia and whilst there are challenges absolutely in our country, you know, we're often referred to as the lucky country and there's so many things that we potentially take for granted. But the fact that this is actually still a very real issue, I guess, is a bit shocking to me. Yes, uh, it is to me. And I think um, per capita human um, slavery is at the highest it's ever been in the world, in, in the history of the world. Yeah, right now. I Human just... slavery, is, is, it's massive. And it's, if you look at it in terms of the black market, they say it's, that human trafficking supersedes drugs. And as we know it in Australia, the issue with drugs is everywhere. It's, yeah. in, it's, it's affecting almost every family and it doesn't even contain itself to a, you know, a, a lower socioeconomic group. It goes all the way yeah. up. But um, actually human trafficking supersedes that as the black, on the black market. So, wow. wow. Yeah. So, Peter, look, you are a passionate woman with a mission and a fire in your belly and an amazing product. But what I'm curious about is how, like if we go back to, okay, so you had this very successful career in sales as a sales professional, then have transitioned into, and you were saying that you were testing and trying lots of different things uh, with the swag as a side project until we had this defining moment of really, I guess, doubling down your efforts and focus on the swag. How did other people in your life respond when you were, I guess, at the various points of transition? Because often what can happen in my observation is that when someone is on the brink of creating some kind of change, that people can fall into a couple of different camps where people that love you and care for you, you've got some people that are maybe cheerleaders and going, yes, you can do it, you're invincible and you can do anything. And there's other people that are kind of like, oh, are you sure? And wouldn't it be safer for you to just go and get a, a solid job and, you know, have the paycheck coming in every every month or whatever? Who did you have, I guess, without revealing any names or whatever, in terms of how did other people respond at the various points of the transitions that you've made? Oh, well, I had the whole gamut. <laughs> Seriously, the whole gamut. Some of the people closest to me were, were you know, were dead against it and, and thought it was crazy, yeah. you know, that I was being crazy and they just did, they didn't get it. Yeah. And, um, and some people I told the product what, and didn't get the product mm -hmm. and said, oh, I don't get it, I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, it's a bad thing. Why do you need that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But interestingly, it just, you know, I think the thing is you just can't, you've got to, you know, you've just got to filter those those comments out. Uh, and I just knew in my heart, because I did get a huge amount of positive, especially once I had the prototypes that I finally got from India and I sent a whole bunch out to a wide cross-section of people of all different ages and some friends of friends or family of friends, you know, that I didn't know and that weren't attached to me in yeah. any way and 100% came back and absolutely loved it. Wow. <laughs> and they couldn't believe how long their fruit and veggies were lasting and then all these anecdotal information started coming back one lady who was just not into it whatsoever <laughs> said that she only goes into the shops once every two weeks so she was trying to lose weight so she'd buy all this fresh fruit and veggies and she wouldn't be tempted by all the impulse buys and the ice creams and the chocolate biscuits and whatnot at the you know at, when she was out shopping because yeah. she just had her fridge full of fresh produce 
So she was eating really healthily for those two weeks. Then she'd go back and she wouldn't have to go to the shop for two weeks, which was, you know, I never really, I never really thought of that angle. And then the in regional areas as well, where they do only go to the shops every two weeks, and yeah. they were moving to frozen and canned fresh, like vegetables and fruits, to, because they would just run out of the fresh stuff. That because in regional areas, it's often compromised before it even gets to the shop. Yes, you know. So then you buy it from the shop, and it's already half dead. Yeah. And then you take it home, and it literally lasts a couple of nights if you're lucky. Mm. And then, and then you know, and then you, you can't go to the shops again. So you're onto your canned and frozen veggies. So um, you know that was a huge, huge thing. Just getting all this anecdotal information and. It just fired, that put a fire in my belly like you wouldn't believe. And I knew all that because I tested it and I was telling everyone, oh, my God, it's amazing. (laughs) You don't even have to chop, when you chop things up, you just put them back. As I was using it, I was discovering all of these things and that's when I, that's when the the plastic thing started to really emerge and I became really anti-plastic because I realised it was actually killing our fresh produce a lot quicker than was necessary and and I just felt it was one of those root of all evil things that, you know, hey, it's been touted as keeping things fresh and snap blocking the, the freshness in and the nutrition's in, but it's actually not true. Yeah. <laughs> it's killing them. So uh, it, that was really, really exciting for me that, you know, just all those people that were using the prototypes just loving them 100% success. And so I knew I was on a really good thing. But I took on board what the people said that, you know, people were saying, do minimum order quantities, you know, go small. And I just knew that it was going to take off. And I'm so glad that I ordered like a huge amount. Of Did you? You went straight for the, that because obviously with any kind of production, the, the bigger the run, the lower the unit cost, generally speaking, but that's a bigger cash outlay. And then you've got storage and you've got all this stock and all of that. So, so uh, you just, you just went, I'm, I'm in boots and all. Yeah, I went for it. I, yeah. I not only filled my house and every room in my house to the rafters, like literally, <laughs> it's like walking through a hoarder's house to get to different sections. There was just boxes all the way to the to the top. But then I also had stock waiting in India, India to be air freighted out if I needed it. When you had or, space. Yeah, when I had space, when I started going through things. So... And I just launched off my personal Facebook page. I just put a little post with a video on there saying, hey, this is, you know, what I've been working on for a while now. And um, it just took off. It took off. So it was clearly something that a lot of people were, you know, they, they either hated throwing out fresh produce and felt guilty or they hated throwing out their hard-earned cash. It was one of the two. And then there was the people that did hate plastic. There was three different people that we were marketing to. You yeah. Know. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. I'm curious about too that you mentioned when you um, left the sales environment or you got to the point where my memory of what you said was that, you know, you were sort of almost desperate to extract from that environment and so you were trialling and testing different things and then and the swag was sort of, you know, bubbling around but a little side nighttime project. What do you think it was that held you back from starting to make the move sooner? 
The, uh, probably the biggest thing was the income. Yeah. I knew that I would be, you know, I didn't know. I've always worked all my life, you know, and I've yeah. always earned good money and yeah. worked really hard. Yeah. And and so, I, you know, I felt crazy walking away from this uh, really good income and a secure job that I'd been in for a very, very long time to, you know, sort of turning my back on that for something that was an unknown. Yeah. And that's why I think that I, I – and I – you know, I hadn't handed out the prototypes at that stage, so I was sort of. That's why I was hedging my bets with other with other potential businesses because I, I did want to seriously change direction, the direction of my life. But it got to a point where then I had, you know, I was working four jobs, <laughs> one full time, and I had three others on the boil. And I just said to the other people, I said, "Listen, I've just got to commit to this. This is." You know, this is the one I'm passionate about. This is the one that is is you know has got it's got my driving force, and I need to cut everything else away and and just and just focus. So once I made that decision, the momentum that that created was just phenomenal. And then all of a sudden, the business instead of me asking all the questions, people started asking questions and asking uh, people were asking for deadlines from me. So people started pushing me on my own business, and it yep. started to really snowball. And I and I went, you know what? This is this is going. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, the train has I, left the station. <laughs> left the station, and even if I wanted to stop it, I don't think I could stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I was really fully committed and and I not that I ever would have stopped it. It's just I but and I didn't want to. Like I love that forward momentum and sometimes at my busiest time when I was, you know, under the pump with work and obviously I've got kids and my husband uh as I said was away every week in Melbourne or overseas for for weeks and so I'd be a single mum doing it all and sometimes I just would pick the on the list this huge list of things to do I would go through it really critically and I would find the one thing that was going to be the most pivotal yeah was going to make the most forward momentum and I would do that one thing and I did that one I did that process every night and the list kept growing and I just kept doing but I always focused on rather than all the little bits bells and whistles just the thing that was the big you know the big churner that was going to really you know get the business moving forward so yeah yeah, yeah that, that really kept me going. There's so much in what you've just said that I'd love to really dive into. But one of the things it is that the fact that you said that one of the things that um, held you back was the question around income. And I'm glad that you said that because it's something that I hear from people a lot who are in a role or in a, a business situation, a work situation that they're not really happy in but they can't see how they could immediately translate what they're earning now into something new. And so they use that as the excuse to stay doing something that is unfulfilling, that is yep. a bit meaningless. And I get it. Like I understand having been in exactly the same situation from a very comfortable six-figure salary and all of that to doing something new. And I think that's partly why one of the things I'm passionate about working with people about is, especially women, their relationship with money, because yep. I hear that as an excuse so often. And, and I believe that it's valid to a certain extent, but I also feel like it's often an excuse to stay in an in a uncomfortable comfort zone, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, rather than take a leap. And look, there are financial realities, you know, of bills to be paid and mouths to be fed. And so I'm not suggesting that people are ir be irresponsible with the choices that they make. 
but what I am saying is that it's it's one factor that should be approached with a really strategic, clear, informed mind rather than just the emotion of the danger of no salary, I'm going to be, you know, a cat lady, you know, living in a house with no electricity or whatever our catastrophe minds create. Yep. So I'm really, um, I guess, want to acknowledge that that's a handbrake for a lot of people and also provide some alternatives about how they can move past that. Well, one thing for me, I must say, you know, I was earning really good money but when you're earning good money and you're miserable, you spend a lot of money, <laughs> you know, because you actually, so it's a, it's a, it can be a little bit of a false economy yeah. because you actually, you know, you're not, I don't know, you end up going on big holidays because you need to justify why you're working, yes. you know, like you need to, rather than we've gone to camping, we, yeah. you know, we've laid up the car and we bought a tent and we've gone camping and my God, they're the best holidays I've ever been on. Yeah. So rather than spending these huge amounts of money just to make me feel like I had this amazing adventure, I'm having these little little adventures that are more about connection and family and and you know, just sim- simplicity yep. and I'm much more fulfilled in those holidays than I am on the big, you know, overseas spending ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah. So I, I think it's a little bit of a false economy yeah. and I think also your energy when you're happy doing something, I mean, if you're earning good money already in a job that you can't stand, imagine how much <laughs> money you can earn in a job that you love. Yeah. Yeah, right? you yeah. Know, like that, that abundance thing and the energy that you create, the flow of just, you know, I don't even think about money. I don't look at the orders. <laughs> I look at the orders. I don't. I don't look at them. I don't. It doesn't bother me how much has come in or how much is. I just focus on what's important in terms of, you know, moving the business forward and the bigger picture. And I just know through being not focused on, you know, money. The money will come and the abundance will come. Yeah. And and you know, and I'm enjoy I'm just enjoying it. Yeah. You know, I'm really loving what I'm doing. So even if the money didn't come, it doesn't bother me because I love I actually love what I what I'm doing. And and that's a big difference too in terms of what is what is this and without getting too woo-woo, but what is this life actually about? That we spend so much time at, at work, whatever work is for us, and that actually that time is our life. And so to be able to kind of go, where am I holding back or, or denying part of who I am because I've got this role that doesn't really fit me anymore. And how else could I channel and and bring the best of who I am in a meaningful way? And how does that not only feed and nurture my soul, but everybody that comes into contact with me? Because I've got this crazy, uh, like, big picture vision that I would love that the world evolves to the point where every single person you interact with is doing what they love for work. Like, could you imagine how that would be like the guy who, you know, makes your coffee at the cafe is someone who genuinely loves being a barista and he loves the origin of the coffee and just, you know, pours all that love into your coffee. The, yeah. the, the bus driver, the Uber, whatever. I just feel like wouldn't that be amazing in terms of what positive energy could be generated if every interaction could be that? And I, and I know that it's completely unlikely to happen. <laughs> However, 
<laughs> I like to dream that we can just make one person at a time to be directing their time and energy into something that feels purposeful to them, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's a big driver for me. You've also got, you know, um, something – you can always do something on the side. Yes. And and that's the thing. You can always take your passion and your hobby and just do a little bit of it on the side and sometimes just through doing that, which is essentially what I was doing. I was just doing the swag on the side and I just thought, yeah, I'll just, you know, I'll just launch it. I didn't know it was going to take off like it did. Yep. Um, so it was kind of – and I was happy for it just to bubble along and do its little thing and for the people that wanted to save money – save waste and save plastic, you know, to, to take it up. Yeah. I did, you know, the, the movements of the war on waste and plastic were, you know, came after I started it sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. was just good timing. So it wasn't because of those movements that I did it. It was because of, of my, you know, my, my values and what I wanted to create and, and what how I wanted to, to change my little part of the world. But so, you know, doing something on the side, I think, Sometimes it's, it can be actually better because you 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 know you you've got this little outlet and it's something that you're passionate about and you love, you know there's no there's no there's nothing stopping you from moving that to full time yeah. down the track if it all turns out but at least there's a release there and you you know you're doing something that you love so you get that sense of what life could be if you did work full time in the, in your passion and hobby. Yeah, and something that you said earlier I think links now to what you've just said around there's a lot of testing and trying that that happens that for most people they don't just suddenly go from what they're doing now into da-da here's this perfectly formed amazing yeah. you know new thing whether it's another job or whether it's a, a, a business or a product there is so much testing trial and error uh, and part of that I think is also refining what it is that you are looking for and and where is that overlap of your values and what you're spending your time doing and yep. you don't know that until you give it a go one of the mantras I've been playing with recently is um, that clarity comes through action yeah whereas a lot of people myself included often will wait until I feel really super clear before I take the action but the more that I I guess encourage myself to take some kind of action even if it's small action it allows me to almost temperature check and kind of go oh you know I don't I don't feel a sense of flow in that direction but oh this is interesting I'm gonna keep going through there but if you don't ever take the action you don't get that feedback to be able to know which way do you want to keep going so I, I feel like again that's that's another opportunity that the side gig approach can provide now a lot of people say I don't have any time to to do a side gig I'm working full-time but how did you carve out the time when you were having your you know four different jobs and and this way how did you approach that (laughs) well you know that uh, I was just determined and it was just all about how much I wanted it you know how much I wanted to change my life and how much I wanted to do something that was more meaningful and the other products were all in health and wellness as well so sort of linked yeah, sort of linked. So I knew I wanted to be in something that was natural and blah, 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 but everything just always took me back to the swag. And, I, you know, I just, I was crazy not to, I'm, I'm very glad I made the decision. I'm, I'm glad I, I put my feelers out and got a wide cross-section of opportunities, but I'm also glad that I cut 
those loose when I did. So yeah. I, I couldn't have kept, you know, going along. I was giving like 25% to everything and um, I needed to focus on, you know, channel all that energy into that one thing. Yeah. So I, I, I just wanted it so much and I, I wanted to make a change and I think, I, you know, not to sound too out there, but the universe really rewards you when you are making the steps to change something that you don't like and there's, you know, it, it, it guides you and, and lots of things came my way, you know, lots of people and chance meetings and, you know, it was, it was amazing just to make sure that I got to, got to produce this product and got it to market. Yeah. And look, and you've mentioned it a couple of times and I just want to highlight it about that whilst, you know, we're really looking at this as a career or professional life transition, the reality is what you're really have been looking at is this is about changing your whole life. And that work yeah. is just this this one pocket of it, but really, it, it's about evolving you as a whole being, not just what you do for work. Yeah, I also you know love the example I've set for my kids that they saw me have an idea and yeah. take it all the way to fruition. Yeah. And when when my son said to me, "Mum, I can't wait just till I walk into a shop and see the swag in a shop," and I remember thinking, "Holy crap! I hope that happens." <laughs> I hope that actually happens because that would be really cool. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't so long. You know, it was probably, you know, 18 months or so after that we were in Brisbane and I was there to do some in-store demos and I said to my husband, I said, you know, don't, you know, the, the, the kids came with us and, and I said, don't tell Hugo about it, just walk past the shop. And then at the front was this big sign, which I didn't know this was going to be there. It was Peter, the inventor of the swag, is in store today to do Q&A. And then there was this huge, massive display right in the middle of the store. And I was like, oh, my God. Whoa. So Hugo came in and then we actually saw it in several stores around Brisbane. And so he, he's, he's used to seeing it in stores now. So He got um, his wish. You know, that, yeah, it, it, which is interesting because I watched my parents start their own businesses and they did lots of different things. They did worm farming for a while and alpaca breeding and they yeah. did, you know, a, a flooring company that was bringing in this, you know, high-tech, you know, industrial flooring. And I saw them always opening businesses just, you know, so for me I learned that you can just do that. You can actually just start a business. Yeah. If you've got kids, a lot of what you're doing now um, your kids are going to mirror. So do you want them to be chugging along in a job that they find empty and meaningless and they're just living paycheck to paycheck or, you know, not really getting anything out of it? Because as you said, Chandra, we spend so much time working, yeah. you know, and the people you're working with, if you don't love them, mm. oh, my God, you know, think of all the, the time you're wasting with people that you don't really you know, appreciate, which yeah. is sad, or your value systems are, are different to yours. Yeah. So now with my business, I can really surround myself with people that I just want to work with. Yeah. I choose who I want to work with. And, and I, you know, I've, I've made a few mistakes, but I've got people that I love working working with me, around me every day, and it's, yeah. it's fantastic. So, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of great things that come out of that. Yeah, fantastic. So what about if um, if you've got any advice for someone who's listening who perhaps is in a role where they aren't feeling very fulfilled and whether they have an idea for something else that they think they'd like to do or not, what sort of advice would you have for them about what they should do next? Well, if they've got an idea, I say do it. <laughs> 
I say do it, especially if, you know, there's a lot, if it's a good idea, you know, that, that's the thing. You've got to make sure, just soundboard it off a few people and, and, but also don't be attached to the outcome because some people just don't get your vision yeah. uh, from, from the beginning. But I think if there's good intention behind the product and it's not just for making money, if there's a really good, solid, honest intention there, then I think there's always going to be a market for it, especially if it's a product that is a, that solves a problem yeah. and creates a solution. Yeah, just don't give up. It's a long road. Start small, do your little prototypes, get them out to people, run your ideas, protect your ideas. Don't share them with anyone that you don't trust. Yeah. Just give it a, give it a crack because there's, there's – it, there's a good, there's a, it's a good feeling even if you give something a, a go and it doesn't work. At least you had the spirit to get and do get get out and try something different, and you'll learn a whole lot more. And then something else will come along, and from that, that experience will help you with the next experience. And you will get there if you if you're if you've got that mindset where you've, you're an ideas person. Yeah. If you're someone that is in a role that doesn't have anything and can't think of what to do, and is kind of a you know at a standstill, I think doing your hobby, dancing, or I don't know, doing something that brings life to you that invigorates you in your own time is always a good start. But, yeah, I think it's, it's a challenging one, that one. I don't, yeah. know, I don't, I don't know how to answer it. I'm sure you, you struggle with that one too, Chandra. But, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think that if they have an inkling of something, then I totally agree with you. It's like make a start, explore, take some sort of small steps of, of action to uh, explore and develop that idea further when people are just like what which is what I was in radio I didn't know what else I wanted to do I just knew that radio wasn't it anymore and it had served me well for a long time but it wasn't anymore and so I leapt into the void to try and explore but I think the same kind of experimental approach applies whether you want to get into a different industry or start your own business is to as you were saying don't be too attached to the outcome because that often has the impact of holding us back but to yeah. explore and to experiment to have conversations and connections and to start to pay a bit more attention to when do you feel a sense of flow when do you feel relaxed and like you're um, adding value to others to just open up a little bit more curiosity about that because there's I believe there's clues there around yep. your next direction there is no way if you had asked me over 10 years ago when I left radio there's no way I could have told you that this is where I'd be yep. but it's been a, a constant evolution and course correction along the way but always coming back to my core what's most important to me how do I be, believe that I'm adding most value to others how am I expressing my creativity and it's still unfolding because yeah. one of the premises that I run with is that you are the CEO of brand you and it is the one job that you will have through your whole life even though you will have many different careers and roles throughout your life and that it's growing and evolving all the time. So you've got to keep getting to know yourself and to be yeah. making choices that are in line with what lights you up. And that's the only road that I think you can take. 
Yeah, just putting it out there. I think if you're standing still and not doing anything, well, nothing's going to change. Yeah. But if you just do something, you know, do something, as you said, open some conversations with people that are maybe in a field that you aspire to be in, start doing a little bit of, you know, a weekend work, mm-hmm. working with them or, you know, nighttime work, working with them, offering to just go in and just check out what they do. I don't, anything, any kind of forward movement is going to get you out of the situation, but standing still is just going to keep you dead in it. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, so where to next for the swag? You've recently appeared on the Shark Tank. Just tell us briefly, how was that experience for you? Oh, it was, um, it was, it's a long process and it's an overwhelming process actually, but in, in a good way. Yep. Uh, they got me really to look at my business and think, view my business differently. Mm-hmm. And we're working with the Richards group through the deal that we got. So we're really excited to be working with them. But yeah, I le- I've learned a lot. And um, I also learned a lot about TV yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I was in the tank for about an hour, over an hour and they edited it down to five minutes. And yep. It's just the editing process is really fascinating for me. But yeah, so it's been it's been an amazing journey. In terms of the company and where to, where, you know, we're just wanting to make the swag a household name so that we can get, you know, Aussie household saving money and saving waste and, and reducing plastic and then expanding obviously that globally. And we're also moving into industry, which is helping restaurants with food waste and right. helping them to um, so we're working with a commercial kitchen that's we're going to be doing some, you know, industrial swag prototypes and then we're going to be, you know, researching and seeing how that the effect that that has on, on fresh produce because obviously as you you would know, if anything's just soiled slightly, they just toss it. They don't mm. use it in the salad. So there's a huge amount of food waste there. Yes. That's it. And just expanding the range, everything that we do is all about once it's come to the end of its life, everything's built to last. But once it does um, come to the end of its life, uh, you literally just dig it into the earth and the earthworms and bacteria will break it down with zero impact on the environment and zero yeah. impact on the wildlife. So that's everything that we do is about zero impact. Awesome. So, well, yeah. well, it's it's I'm kind of conflicted because it's like massive impact through zero impact. Yeah. <laughs> massive impact through waste, yes. zero waste, but without any impact. Yes, yes. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Now, how can people who, if they haven't already found you, how can people connect, find out more about the swag and you if they want to find out more about the product? Where do they go? Sure. They can go to theswag.com.au and there you can get onto our Facebook page and our Instagram page where you can see our retailers and anyone stocking the swag and our customer reviews. So you can see a lot there, Q&A, questions and tips and tricks for the, how to use the swag on the, at swag.com.au as well. Awesome. Well, I am very excited about mine. Mine are on the way. Very excited about getting started Aww. using them. Peter, thank you so much for your time today. And also from a bigger picture, thank you so much for what you are have created and what you are contributing because it's it's obviously been a challenging journey and not without you know it's it's pain points i'm sure but you may never know the ripple effect that you having this passion has in the world and in people's lives through not just the product itself and the the reducing the impact in the planet but also with the contribution to destiny rescue and so i just want to say thank you for that contribution that you're making and keep going 
Oh, thank you. And straight back at you. That's what you're doing. That's amazing. You wow. know, helping people change their lives and assess their direction. I think it's, it's uh, you know, it's a precious time, you know, to, to be ha- holding someone's hand through that journey. So well done you. Oh, thanks. And thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, it's great to chat with you. Thank you so much. And we'll talk again soon. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Transit Lounge. If you liked it, please do me a favor and leave a review so I can keep doing more episodes for you. And come and say hi in the private Facebook group, The Transit Lounge, being CEO you in the business of your life. I really look forward to connecting with you there. And until then, do whatever you can to create a future that you will love through the choices you make today.